everyone. I see my ranking member for this nominations hearing, Senator Romney, on the line. So I think we will go ahead and get started. Uh, this meeting of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is here to consider uh, four important nominees to be ambassadors to countries that are good allies of the United States. Um, Thomas Barrett to be ambassador to Luxembourg. Jamie Harputlian to be ambassador to Slovenia. Scott Miller to be ambassador to Switzerland and Liechtenstein. And Eric Romanoffen of uh, Massachusetts to be ambassador to Sweden. I want to congratulate each of you on your nominations to these important posts. I know a couple of you pretty well. Mayor Barrett, it's really good to see you in particular. Um, and I want to thank you for your willingness to serve and also the willingness of your families to have you serve. This is a, a family uh, challenge and a family sacrifice and also a family opportunity. Uh, I have four distinguished Senate colleagues who will each introduce one of the nominees. Senators Baldwin, Graham, Hickenlooper, and Markey. So we're going to turn to my colleagues first for these introductions before uh, proceeding to opening remarks, uh, my opening remarks and Senator Romney's, and then to opening statements from the nominees. So if I could ask Senator Baldwin to begin and introduce Thomas Barrett. Absolutely. Thank you, Chairman Kane. Um, I am really honored to join you today to introduce Tom Barrett as you consider his nomination as United States Ambassador to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. Tom Barrett learned our strong Wisconsin work ethic as a young man, working his way through college as a parts worker, dockman, and as a factory worker at Harley-Davidson in Milwaukee. He received a BA Phi Beta Kappa from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a JD with honors from the University of Wisconsin Law School in Madison. After law school, he clerked for the Honorable Robert W. Warren, who was nominated by President Nixon to the Federal uh, District Court for the Eastern District of Wisconsin, based in Milwaukee. With a deep commitment to public service, Tom has committed his life to working as a public servant, serving in the Wisconsin State Assembly, the Wisconsin State Senate, and working for five terms as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, um, where I had the pleasure of calling him a colleague. Uh, he served on the Committee on Energy and Commerce, where he was a tireless advocate for job creation and worker training. He also served on the Banking and Financial Services, Government Reform and Oversight, and Judiciary Committees. Serving as mayor of Milwaukee since 2004, he has worked hard on economic development efforts, bringing billions of dollars in private investment across the city and working to create jobs and grow our economy. In addition to spearheading multiple clean green initiatives in the city to clean up rivers, uh, parks, and brownfields, he has led the Great Lakes mayors in both Canada and the United States as chair of the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Cities Initiative. Tom Barrett's long career of public service at the state and federal level, combined with years of hands-on business and management experience as mayor, demonstrate that he is well qualified to represent the United States of America as ambassador to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. 
I really thank you for giving me the opportunity to join you here today. I have known Mayor Barrett for many years, both as a colleague and a friend. And I strongly support his nomination and respectfully ask the committee to support his nomination as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Senator Baldwin. Next, Senator Graham will introduce Ms. Harpuglia. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman and Ranking Member. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Jamie Harpuglin from South Carolina. Slovenia is a very important NATO ally. I was there not long ago. It's a beautiful place and a, and a very uh, dicey region. So you want to send your best. And I think Jamie was a great choice by President Biden. She's a graduate of Mary Baldwin College, which should go a long way with the chairman here. <laughs> she did really well there and went to Tulane Law School and graduated with distinction. She volunteered to be a hearing officer for the Department of Justice for the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. She's well known in South Carolina legal circles and uh, practice in federal court and has a really great reputation in our state as a problem solver. So I just think President Biden did the country a great service by nominating Jamie to this important posting. She has the skill set, I think, to represent our country in a very honorable and effective way in a region where America's voice is important. Russia's up to no good all over that part of the world. And uh, with Jamie there, she'll keep an eye on the Russians and be a good ally to, to our friends in Slovenia. So I completely wholeheartedly support her. And I know that she has the support of people all over my state. She'll do a great job for us. So Jamie, congratulations and hope you get through this thing quickly and I'll come see you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Senator Graham. Um, next, if Senator Hickenlooper is on, he will introduce Mr. Miller. Do I do I see Senator Hickenlooper? I, I do not. So what I'll do is I'll go to Senator Markey. Senator Markey is going to introduce Mr. Ramanathan. Ed, please unmute. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Tim. So it's my uh, pleasure to introduce uh, Eric uh, Ramanathan uh, to be our next ambassador to the Kingdom of Sweden. Eric grew up in Western Massachusetts, uh, the son of public school teachers. And while New York is Eric's native home, Massachusetts uh, is where he studied and spent much of his professional life and is his adopted home. Eric, his husband, uh, Ranish, and their son, Christopher, live on Herd's Pond, one of our state's treasured national wildlife refuges outside of Boston. He is also a graduate of Harvard Law School. Some years after graduating, he returned to Cambridge to run Harvard's Center for Legal Profession, whose mission is to help lawyers and instructors realize their full potential in their respective professions. After building a career as a life sciences attorney, Eric transitioned to the nonprofit sector, where for more than a decade, uh, he has served as the chair of the National Public Health Services nonprofit, uh, Haluna, and under Eric's leadership, Haluna has grown to help our nation's frontline hospital workers in the battle against the dual opioid and COVID-19 pandemics. His commitment to helping those in need will serve him well as he embarks upon this important role representing the United States. Our friendship with Sweden dates back 
to the first Swedish immigrants who arrived in Delaware in the middle part of the 17th century. Sweden was one of the first countries to recognize US independence in 1783. And it has been a steady partner in advancing our common interests and values. Ingrained in Sweden's foreign policy is a commitment to equality, sustainable development and human rights, all issues that Eric has championed in his professional career and public service. Sweden was one of the first countries in the world to commit to marriage equality, and the kingdom is second to none in its commitment to gender equality. As ambassador, Eric will bring to Stockholm his own lifetime of commitment to fighting for equality. And as the leader of the Board of Immigration Equality, Eric works to champion the rights of LGBTI asylees. Eric is on the board of several education and professional development nonprofits in Massachusetts and spends his free time cleaning up the Sudbury and Concord River watersheds, whose beauty have inspired poets and authors alike. His accomplished career in law, the private sector, public health, and his service to his community make him a great choice to be our next uh, ambassador to Sweden. I urge swift confirmation for Eric, an adopted son of the Commonwealth, for this important post. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, for allowing me to testify. Senator Markey, thank you so much. Senator Hickenlooper has now joined us, and he will introduce our fourth nominee, uh, Mr. Miller. Great. Now, Good morning, Mr. Chairman, and, and good morning to all of you. Uh, good morning, ranking, Mr. Ranking Member, uh, members of the committee. It is okay. my privilege and my great honor to uh, introduce Scott Miller, who is President Biden's nominee for U.S. Ambassador, U.S. Ambassador to the Swiss Confederation and the Principality of Liechtenstein. I have known Scott for uh, almost 20 years, and I can't imagine a better person to be representing our country and negotiating on our behalf uh, than Scott. If approved by this chamber, Scott will be headed to Europe. And I think you could argue that it won't be a moment too soon. There is a lot on the agenda in the months and uh, the years ahead, navigating a global pandemic, uh, facilitating an inclusive economic reality uh, recovery from that pandemic, uh, shoring up the transatlantic relationship to counter an increasingly assertive China, increasingly assertive Russia, uh, defending democracy amidst the creeping spread of authoritarianism uh, around the world, and addressing the existential threat of climate change at every level. Uh, fortunately, Switzerland and Liechtenstein are enduring, trusted partners on all of these issues, as well as many others. Uh, they share our commitment to democratic uh, values, the uh, rule of law, free markets. Uh, they have similarly vibrant open economies like our own, uh, and they have strong bilateral collaboration based on stable political systems. Uh, together, we've worked on controlling terrorism and cracking down on money, la money laundering, uh, work to strengthen intellectual property rights, uh, and much more. We have developed a robust economic and trade relationship and create opportunities for our mutual defense. Uh, as the home of several UN agencies, not to mention the World Trade Organization, Switzerland in particular is synonymous with this type of international collaboration that is so essential to addressing uh, these and other transnational uh, challenges. 
Uh, these types of forums are important sources for dialogue. Many of the shared uh, uh, and many of the shared priorities uh, highlighted today. I trust Scott's ability to be the appropriate voice of the U.S. in all of these rooms. He is the the right leader uh, for this moment. Uh, he has dedicated his life to expanding access to the American dream. He's a national leader for LGBTQ equality. Uh, he's worked to boost STEM in K-12 public schools. Uh, he's helped provide uh, over five and a half million meals to Coloradans during the pandemic. Uh, he has experience in business, uh, but more importantly, he has experience in life. Um, he is fiercely committed to creating more seats at the table. Uh, investing in the success of the next generation. Uh, these kinds of efforts are critical to the innovation dynamism of our country and its influence abroad. Uh, Scott again and again has risen to the occasion. Uh, I am co confident that Scott will embody these American values of, of opportunity uh, and equality in Bern. Uh, as I said before, I've known him for almost two decades uh, and in terms of dealing with bringing people together who are, let's say, disagreeing in violent disagreement, I don't know anybody, anybody better than Scott. He is the, the kind of person that you want navigating complex issues when people have serious disagreements. He has that knack for putting people at ease, focusing on the facts that really matter, and working to a conclusion. Uh, a successful conclusion. Uh, I support Scott's nomination to represent the United States uh, in what some people call the Colorado of Europe, that would be Switzerland. Um, I, I hope this committee will recognize uh, how important his nomination will be and will support it wholeheartedly. And I will reach out to many of you and just have uh, conversations on the side if that's if, if we can find time. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I yield back to, Mr. to the chair. Thank you, Senator Hickenlooper. Great introductions. The four of you are lucky to have these senators uh, presenting you to the committee. I will now offer opening remarks, and then it will be followed by uh, Senator Romney's opening remarks. Uh, we will then hear from each of the nominees, and then we will alternate questions beginning first me, then Senator Romney, and then we'll uh, alternate uh, by party. There are a set of votes scheduled at 11 uh, a.m. And so we you, just for the nominees, you might see some of us coming and going to make sure we don't miss votes. But let me just again congratulate each of the four of you on your nominations. Representing the U.S. as an ambassador is a, is a tremendous honor and it's a privilege. And based on your impressive professional backgrounds, I know you can do these jobs and do them well. I also want to congratulate you for an experience that you'll have since none of you are career foreign service, you're going to have probably for the first time in your lives, which is working in a very in-depth way with America's talented foreign service officers. As a member of this committee, I travel around the world and I'm always just struck by the tremendous talent and patriotism of those that we have serving us abroad. And so should you be confirmed, that might be the most um, memorable and impactful part of your job is interacting with these great professionals. The, the countries that you represent, some, several of them are small, but they're mighty. They punch above their weight on the global um, on the global stage because of strong economies and also entrenched democratic traditions. 
Luxembourg was a founder, uh, founding member of the United Nations and NATO and the EU. Due to the strength of its economy and financial sector, it's a critical partner in economic efforts, including uh, efforts to counter money laundering, tax evasion, and terrorism. Luxembourg has positioned itself to be a leader in many global industries and particularly the commercial space industry, which has significant ties to American companies. Switzerland provides an invaluable service to global peace and security as a host nation to many UN agencies and other international uh, governmental and uh, NGO organizations. Uh, we are in the midst of a combined $7.6 billion deal for Switzerland to purchase F-35 fighter jets and Patriot missiles. Switzerland has a, a, a long uh, non-aligned tradition, but it also is a partner in global security efforts, which we appreciate. The cooperation of neighboring Liechtenstein is also very crucial to this issue of addressing international tax evasion. So the combined mission of Switzerland and Liechtenstein is very important. Slovenia. Slovenia is approaching 20 years as a member of both NATO and the EU. Its economic and democratic gains during that time uh, are a strong demonstration of the value of transatlantic integration and cooperation. Today, Slovenia is among the major proponents, the greatest proponents of EU membership for Western Balkans nations, which is a foreign policy objective that the United States shares. Finally, moving further north to Sweden, Sweden is a leader in holding Russia accountable for aggression in Ukraine and throughout Europe, and also a leader in countering Russian disinformation. Despite not being a NATO member, Sweden has been a very valuable security partner for the United States, an indispensable partner in Afghanistan and Iraq. The committee looks forward to hearing from each of you today um, and to asking you questions about the missions that you will undertake should you be confirmed. Uh, I now turn to the ranking member, Senator Romney, for his opening comments. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I uh, appreciate the introductions made by our colleagues. Uh, I particularly appreciate the uh, willingness of the uh, nominees to serve our country in foreign posts, uh, particularly at such a critical time. Uh, we, uh, we face a number of challenges. Uh, some among friends deciding how we can collaborate together to be stronger and provide for our respective populations, but some relate to other nations. Uh, uh, Russia in particular uh, poses an ongoing threat to, uh, to Europe and to places around the world. Uh, China has uh, uh, set its tentacles into Europe and is intending to become uh, the, uh, the leader of the world in military and economic terms. Uh, and so the, the work that we anticipate doing together with our friends and allies around the world is of critical importance. I have more extensive comments. I'll ask the chairman to include in the record. But with that introduction, we will be happy to turn to your statements and, uh, and our respective questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Romney. We will now move to opening statements, and I'd like to do the opening statements in this order. Uh, first, Mayor Barrett then Ms. Harputlian, then Mr. Miller, finally, Mr. Ramanathan, and then we will begin question, with questions. So, Mayor Barrett, we'll begin with you. Well, thank you very much, Senator Kane and Mr. Chairman, uh, ranking member, distinguished members of the committee. Um, it is an honor to appear before you today as President Biden's nominee as U.S. Ambassador to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. I also want to give a big shout out to my friend, Senator Baldwin, for her generous introduction and all the work she does for the people of the state of Wisconsin. 
I am truly humbled and honored by the trust and confidence the President and Secretary of State have placed in me. If confirmed, I pledge to work closely with this committee and the Congress to advance U.S. interests and priorities in Luxembourg. I am here today as a direct result of the love and support of my family. My wife, Chris, who just retired from teaching grade school, has been my best friend and partner for over 30 years. Together, we are blessed with four children, Tom, Annie, Aaron, and Kate. All of them are in their 20s. Each of them is a remarkable young adult. Growing up in Milwaukee, I was also blessed to have parents who set the example of how to be caring and responsible. My dad was a navigator in World War II and taught my brother, sisters, and me the importance of being responsible. My mother lost her first husband during the Battle of the Bulge and then met our father. She taught us resilience and caring. I have committed my life to public service. I've had the good fortune and honor to serve as an elected official for over 36 years. First as a state legislator, next as a member of Congress for 10 years, and currently as mayor of the city of Milwaukee for the past 17 years. I'm especially proud that my home state of Wisconsin is also the home of many people of Luxembourg descent. In fact, it is the home of the Luxembourg American Cultural Center, just a short drive from Milwaukee. The United States-Luxembourg relationship is strong based on our shared history, our values, and mutual interests, our strategic alliance, and our economic ties. Luxembourg, as you mentioned, Mr. Chair, is a charter member of NATO and one of the founding members of the EU. It has also hosted numerous monuments to the American liberators after both, both world wars and is the final resting place for over 5,000 American service members, including General George Patton. As a premier financial capital in Europe, Luxembourg is one of the U.S. economy's largest sources and destinations for investment. If confirmed, my number one priority will be the safety and security of U.S. citizens abroad. There are approximately 3,100 U.S. citizens who reside in Luxembourg and 30,000 U.S. citizens who visit annually. I also pledge to maintain the safety and security of our mission in Luxembourg. Luxembourg is a small country that is home to one of the largest financial centers in the Eurozone and remarkably the second largest investment fund center in the world behind only the United States. Luxembourg is a world leader in green and sustain sustainable finance. It is home to the world's first, green, first and largest green exchange for debt instruments. It is also home to the EU Investment Bank, which is the lending arm of the European Union. As Mayor of Milwaukee, I have chaired the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Cities Initiative and have worked to create green solutions to clean up rivers, parks, and brownfields. That is important because it is imperative that we work at all levels of government, domestically and internationally, to support President Biden's efforts to combat global climate change. If confirmed, I look forward to working with Luxembourg on this important issue. I will with, work with Luxembourg to address this challenge in areas where it is, com, has a competitive advantage, such as sustainable finance. Luxembourg is also a pioneer and an important player in space and one of the original signatories of NASA's Artemis Accords in October 2020. In 2019, the United States and Luxembourg signed a groundbreaking agreement on space. If confirmed, I will continue to expand our civil, commercial, and defense cooperation in space. Luxembourg is in the heart of Europe, both psychologically and geographically. And I should note, the size of its population is very close to that of Milwaukee. 
It is home to 10 EU institutions and offices, including the European Court of Justice. It has produced three EU Commission presidents, and it is a strong voice for institution building and rulemaking in the European Union. President Biden has emphasized the importance of our transatlantic relations and working with those who share our values. If confirmed, I will be honored to work with Luxembourg to advance our shared priorities and U.S. interests in Luxembourg. Thank you very much for the opportunity to appear before you today. I would be happy to answer your questions. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Ms. Harputlian. Chairman Kane and Ranking Member Romney and distinguished members, thank you for inviting me to appear before you today. I am deeply grateful to President Biden for the confidence he has placed in me, and I'd also like to thank Senator Graham for his very generous remarks today. I would also like to take a moment to thank my husband, Richard Harputlian, who has given me his constant support in this endeavor. And I would like to remember my parents, Charles and Margaret Lindler, who taught me by example to value public service. My father was a United States Naval aviator who served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, while my mother served in naval communications during World War II. Later at home, she raised two daughters in dad's absence while uh, extended absences overseas. This past Friday, we laid dad to rest at Arlington Cemetery. I'd like to express my gratitude to the United States government for providing a tremendously meaningful ceremony and resting place to honor its veterans. Our country has provided me rewarding opportunities for public service in my own career as an attorney, working in the federal judicial system, serving as a court appointed special master in complex litigation, and serving the Department of Justice pro bono as a hearing officer for the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund. In each role, I made pivotal decisions and managed conflicting positions and personalities. I learned that respect for the opinions of others and treating all people with dignity are essential for reaching consensus. Bringing people with divergent views together is necessary for progress. And overarching all, building and upholding trust is vital for success. If confirmed, I hope to use these skills to successfully advance U.S. interests and values in Slovenia. Slovenia and the United States have strong military, economic, educational, and cultural ties. Slovenia embraces transatlantic cooperation and shares our commitment to safeguarding democracy, the rule of law, human rights, and free and fair elections. Slovenia has made impressive contributions to a broad range of regional and global efforts to bolster stability, security, and peace. It has proven itself to be a strong and cooperative partner with the United States, a stalwart NATO ally, a leader in the EU, and a reliable partner in the UN and multilateral organizations. Slovenia contributes troops to almost every NATO mission across the globe. It participates in numerous EU and UN missions. This year, Slovenia committed to increase defense spending by 780 million euros through 2026, a significant step toward meeting its NATO Wales pledge commitment. It holds the EU Council presidency until the end of this year, where its focus is EU-NATO coordination, economic resilience and recovery, and stability in the Western Balkans for EU accession.
To confront the security challenges of Russian and People's Republic of China, strategic investments in Central Europe's energy transport and digital infrastructure, Slovenia shares our goals for strategic nuclear energy cooperation, protecting 5G communications networks, developing alternative infrastructure and renewable energy sources, and adopting a foreign direct investment screening mechanism. Slovenia welcomed the United States return to the Paris Agreement and the Biden-Harris administration's re-engagement on global climate change. And Slovenia has one of Europe's fastest growing economies with projected GDP growth of approximately 4.5% in 2021 and 2022. If confirmed, my top priority will be the safety and well-being of U.S. citizens in Slovenia. I will work to strengthen our bilateral relationship with Slovenia using all the diplomatic tools available to me to build relationships, deepen understanding of the United States, and to counter disinformation. If confirmed, I will work to ensure Slovenia's strong commitment to stability and security around the world remains steadfast, including its efforts toward Euro-Atlantic integration of the Western Balkans and to meeting its NATO defense spending commitments and capability targets. And I will look forward to working with our special presidential envoy for climate, John Kerry, to support Slovenia's actions on climate. We are stronger in confronting challenges when we work cooperatively with our allies. Thank you for your time and consideration. Thank you, Ms. Harputlian, and we'll next hear from Mr. Miller. You need to unmute, uh, Mr. Miller. Someone had to be the first at that, right? <laughs> and you won't be the last either. Apologies. Thank you, Chairman Kane, and thank you, Ranking Member Romney. I would also like to thank my dear friend, Senator Hickenlooper, for his introduction. You are not only an exceptional friend, but you were a terrific mayor and governor, and I'm so proud to call you my senator. To each member of the, mem member of the committee, please accept my gratitude for the privilege of speaking with you today as the president's nominee to be the next United States ambassador to both the Swiss Confederation and the Principality of Liechtenstein. I am grateful to President Biden and Secretary Blinken for their confidence in my ability to serve in this role and will work on behalf of our great country and to represent the interests of the American people. If I'm privileged enough to do so with the confidence of this committee, it would be the greatest honor of my life. I would like to thank my entire family. And while he won't enjoy me singling him out, I'm so proud to be joined today by my husband, Tim Gill, albeit virtually. He's no doubt wincing right now as he's watching, as he enjoys attention and praise about as much as a root canal. But without Tim's love and support, and without his tireless work on behalf of LGBTQ people everywhere, I would not be sitting in front of this committee today. A lifetime of experience has prepared me for this moment. I worked as a banker at UBS and a management consultant at Accenture. I also joined my husband, Tim, as co-chair of the Gill Foundation, where together, and with so many others, we have advocated for the full equality of all Americans. In our home state, we have devoted considerable resources and effort to enhance the lives of our fellow Coloradans through STEM education, public broadcasting, 
and programs to fight food insecurity. Over the course of my career in finance, philanthropy, and civil rights advocacy, I've learned the importance of nurturing friendships and building coalitions, and to view those with whom I may disagree with today as future friends and partners tomorrow. If confirmed, I vigorously look forward to applying this principle to America's relationships with Switzerland and Liechtenstein to the benefit of all three. To that end, I'd like to outline four policy priorities that will guide my work as U.S. Ambassador to Switzerland and Liechtenstein if confirmed. My top priority will be ensuring the safety and well-being of Americans in Switzerland and Liechtenstein, as well as the broader mission community. Two, to deepen ties and cooperation through the lens and application of our core values, including support for democracy, respect for universal human rights, and the promotion of peace and security. Three, to increase support for the United States and our policies through active engagement with both host governments and civil society, as well as through educational, cultural, and people-to-people -people ties and exchanges. Four, to grow our already strong economic and commercial relationship to advance America's competitive advantage in both countries. I believe we have untapped potential to gain greater access for American products to the Swiss and Liechtenstein markets. If confirmed, I would work hard to realize that potential. I'd like to take a moment to say that growing up as a shy kid on the Western Slope of the great state of Colorado, being in this remarkable place today would have been impossible to imagine. Indeed, that young boy too often felt, as many LGBTQ kids often do, that there was no place for him. I'm here today thanks to countless heroic Americans who dedicated their lives to ensuring that someone like me could grow up to enjoy all the promises and responsibilities of this wonderful country. And I want to pledge to this committee and to the American people that if confirmed, the security and vital national interests of the United States and its citizens would be my priority. I would work tirelessly to further deepen and enhance our bilateral relationships with Switzerland and Liechtenstein, and I would look for every opportunity to increase trade, foster development, and promote cultural exchanges and understanding between our nations. I would pursue all this work shoulder to shoulder with the remarkable and very talented U.S. Foreign Service officers and local embassy staff in Bern who have already done so much to advocate on behalf of the United States and who could not be praised enough for their dedication and public service. And if confirmed, I would proudly serve the United States with integrity, humility, and compassion. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member, and all the members of the committee, I thank you so much for the opportunity to testify today. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much, Mr. Miller and Mr. Ramanathan, please your opening comments. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, ranking member and distinguished members of the committee. It is a privilege to appear before you. And thank you to Senator Markey for that kind introduction and for his service. I'm honored to be the nominee for US Ambassador to Sweden. And I thank President Biden and Secretary Blinken for their confidence in me. Endless gratitude goes to my husband of more than 30 years, Ranesh Ramanathan, the love of my life and constant companion on life's journey, whose kindness, humor, and devotion in the face of the countless challenges we've navigated are unparalleled. 
and my 16-year-old, Chris, who inspires me every day with fresh perspective and boundless potential, and who drives me to want to make our country and the world we share a better place for future generations. With Chris's future in mind, I made the decision 15 years ago to pivot from a successful private sector career in law and life sciences to a portfolio of service roles where I felt I could have a larger scale impact. Combining my fire-tested corporate and legal experience with lessons learned fighting for the civil rights and well-being of the LGBTQ and HIV positive communities, I reckoned that I could be an effective leader bringing stakeholders from disparate backgrounds together in pursuit of bigger missions. Collaborative service became my compass as I built an academic platform at Harvard Law and took on a constellation of nonprofit leadership roles, culminating in a decade leading the board of Haluna Health. With perseverance, Haluna grew tenfold larger and transformed into a true catalyst to meet the public health and community resilience challenges facing tens of millions of Americans, including the direct and indirect effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm deeply proud of the diverse and talented team of professionals who join together every day to make this life-changing work possible. If confirmed, I plan to apply and foster a similarly vigorous service ethic, creative and collaborative mindset, and seriousness of purpose to expanding and deepening our historic close friendship and like-minded partnership with Sweden. The relationship and diplomacy between our people, both bilaterally and on the global stage, can have a tremendously positive impact on our shared prosperity over the course of decades to come. I look forward to continuing to listen and learn from many stakeholders. And if confirmed, I see three core priorities at the outset. First, enhancing bilateral and regional security efforts. If confirmed, my foremost priority will always be the safety and security of Americans in Sweden, including personnel and family members of Embassy Stockholm. But our shared security interests extend further. As a NATO-enhanced opportunities partner, Sweden has made robust contributions on the international stage. If confirmed, I look forward to building on this history and on our bilateral statement of intent to support interoperability and coordination as Sweden increases its investments in its defense and security infrastructure and capabilities. Second, growing and deepening bilateral economic ties. The US and Sweden are two of the world's leading innovators with robust business and technology ecosystems deeply intertwined with academic, civil society and government collaboration. As both nations recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, we should focus not only on reopening for business, but also on unlocking new sources of job opportunity and mutual prosperity, such as joint pursuit of green technologies. Increasing bilateral exports and job creating foreign direct investment in the US can contribute to economic prosperity in both nations, while providing a stronger and more secure counterbalance to trade and investment with partners who may seek to compromise intellectual property or sensitive infrastructure. Third, collaborating to address key existential challenges of our time on the global stage. Not only is Sweden a strong partner in foreign policy, but is also an ideal collaborator in many unprecedented challenges facing the world. Most notably, fighting climate change, combating COVID-19 and preventing future pandemics, promoting democracy, protecting human rights, and safeguarding the rules-based international order. 
If confirmed, I eagerly await working with the talented team at Embassy Stockholm to build on their successes and advance these shared goals together. I look forward to partnering with Congress to further US priorities in Sweden. And I enthusiastically await hearing from people across Sweden, sharing our ideas and deepening people to people ties as we strive toward a better tomorrow. Thank you for the opportunity to testify today. I look forward to your questions. Thank you very much for all of your opening testimonies. Uh, before we begin precise questions uh, about the countries and your mission, should you be confirmed, I do have a set of standard questions that I wanna ask to all the nominees. So if the four of you could all unmute yourself, these are questions that enable the committee to stress the importance that we place on responsiveness by all officials in the executive branch to this oversight committee. And we uh, ask these because they give you an idea of what we will expect from you. So I would ask each of you on the following questions to provide just a yes or no answer. First, do you agree to appear before this committee and make officials from your office available to the committee and designated staff when invited? Yes. 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 Second, do you commit to keep this committee fully and currently informed about the activities under your purview? Yes. 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 Third, do you commit to engaging in meaningful consultation while policies are being developed, not just providing notification after the fact? Yes. Yes. And finally, do you commit to promptly responding to requests for briefings and information requested by the committee and our designated staff? Yes. Yes. Thank you for those answers. Let me begin now with Mayor Barrett. Uh, Mr. Mayor, you talked briefly about the fact that Luxembourg is positioning itself well to be a center of the commercial space industry. Uh, this is of particular interest in Virginia because more rockets are shot out of Wallops Island than out of either Florida or California. Um, and both NASA and commercial space is a growing industry sector here. Talk to us a little bit about the U.S.-Luxembourg uh, cooperative agreement of 2019, and should you be confirmed what you might do to try to enhance our uh, cooperation on commercial space activities? Well, thank you very much for that question, Mr. Chairman. And, and if confirmed, um, I will continue the strong relationship that we have developed with Luxembourg. Um, Luxembourg and the United States have been working closely together, and you mentioned the accord that we had reached with them. Um, there is the Artemis Accord, which obviously creates a, a mechanism for us to return to the moon. Um, there is the, the efforts to do what we can with them um, or independently on space exploration. Um, and, and I think both of those, as well as some of the work that we've been doing with them on satellites, for example, the investment they're making in satellites, um, which goes towards their defense spending goal. I think all of those position us in a very, very good way to continue to work together. So I, I think that there's a strong a strong foundation there. And again, if I'm fortunate enough to be confirmed, I wanna continue that relationship and make it even stronger. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Miller, um, Switzerland has this longstanding commitment to neutrality, but it does contribute to NATO missions in Kosovo and other UN and EU security operations. Um, how do you evaluate Swiss contributions to international security and what might you do to encourage them consistent with their own domestic traditions to take an even more forward-leaning role? 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I think we know that Switzerland is clear-eyed when it comes to their approach uh, in dealing with with uh, other nations and, and what they're doing around the world, and that uh, they have a keen interest in making sure to uh, address any threat to the international order. Uh, both Switzerland and Liechtenstein are committed uh, allies. Uh, I'm very lucky if confirmed to step into this role of having not only a partner uh, in these missions, but to be able to have the, the high-level discussions that we're able to have with both Switzerland and Liechtenstein and uh, in, in our work broadly in Europe. Thank you. Um, Ms. Ms. Harputlian, you talked in your opening testimony about Slovenia's commitment to greater defense investment. They have one of the lowest levels of investment in terms of GDP percentage of uh, NATO allies. They have indicated a desire to ramp up that investment does that defense modernization um, plan present opportunities for the United States and U.S. companies? I'm, I'm unmuted. <clears throat> Thank you for the question, Senator, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to address it. Um, Slovenia, th this past year, they have increased their defense spending by 780 million euros and that is a significant increase from any of the prior years. So I, I feel as if we're making progress in the right direction. Um, I, if I am confirmed, I will continue um, to push Slovenia to meeting those goals. Right now, they're scheduled for um, 2026 to meet the 2% guidelines. Um, and that includes um, NATO capability uh, targets and force modernization. I, I would encourage you, um, I'm glad to see them make those commitments. There may be, well be opportunities for uh, U.S. companies and others to be involved in helping Slovenia reach those goals, and I know you'll focus on those. Finally, to Mr. Uh, Romanoffin, um, Sweden has been a very strong partner in countering Russian aggression, and one area that they particularly focused on is trying to counter disinformation. This is an area where we've had challenges here. We're a robust First Amendment society and that sometimes mean that a lot a lot of disinformation you know uh, crowds up all of our inboxes um, what uh, is sweden doing that we might emulate or how could we and sweden partner together on anti-disinformation efforts thank you senator for that question uh the uh sweden takes a very uh uh, uh clarified view on uh uh, disinformation and, and other, uh, particularly from Russia, uh, has, there has been increased malign activity um, s relating to disinformation and misinformation campaigns. They have a whole of government uh, approach um, to combating disinformation. Um, and uh, we uh, coordinate uh, with Sweden on monitoring and pushing back on those kind of uh, uh, campaigns. Um, if confirmed, I look forward to continuing to collaborate on uh, on monitoring and pushing back on disinformation campaigns and also on using uh, uh, public diplomacy uh, and uh, interacting with uh, media, both traditional and social media uh, and person conversations, of course, with the people of Sweden uh, to ensure that our messages and priorities are clear uh, and that that too, can be a way of pushing back on disinformation. Thank, thank you for that answer. Senator Romney. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mayor Barrett, uh, 
a, a number of us were concerned as we saw that Luxembourg signed on to the uh, uh, Belt and Road uh, initiative that uh, China has been promoting throughout the world. Um, and I'm interested in, in your perspective, if you have that at this stage, about uh, what the status of that is in, in Luxembourg and, and what you think um, our objectives might be uh, with regards to um, uh, communicating with, uh, with Luxembourg on that topic and perhaps uh, encouraging them to, uh, uh, to take a course which is uh, less uh, favorable to China. <clears throat> Um, Osada Romney, thank you for that question, I, and I hope I got the gist of it. I, my technology is a little sketchy right now, but it sounded like you were asking about the Belt and Road Initiative and the fact that Luxembourg has signed on to it, um, which it has, in fact, one of the few Western European countries that has done so. Um, Luxembourg prides itself on, on having good relations, investment relations with many countries throughout the world, and that, I think, is one of the factors that led it to signing this. At the same time, Obviously, as a key member of the European Union, it recognizes that it's working with its neighbors. I think we're also fortunate that because of our strong historic ties, our economic ties, our, our community of interest in terms of democracy, um, that that provides um, a, a checkpoint, if you will, um, and will make sure that we will continue to work. But with Luxembourg, and, and if I am confirmed, I certainly plan to work with Luxembourg to make sure that they understand, which I am very confident they do, um, the challenges that come from that, that Chinese initiative. So again, I, I think that because of our historic ties, I think that that puts us in a good place. But it is something that, if confirmed, I am very, very sensitive to and mindful of the, the challenges that it presents. Thank you, Mayor. I, I apologize if you couldn't hear me, but your your response was uh, was spot on to the question I asked. So uh, uh, appreciate that, uh, Ms. Harputlian. Uh, uh, I'm interested in your perspective on uh, uh, how the people of Slovenia and the leadership of Slovenia uh, looks at Russia, what they think Russia's objectives might be in the Balkans. Uh, uh, what uh, what type of uh, commitment do you think uh, we can make to uh, supporting uh, the uh, independence of the of the Balkans from from Russia influence, um, but uh, I, I guess the beginning of that question is: Do you have a sense of of how uh, the leadership in Slovenia and the people of Slovenia uh, consider Russia objectives, what they consider them to be uh, with regards to the Balkans? Uh, you're muted. I'm sorry. Thank you for the question, Senator, and I'm, I'm happy to address it. So uh, I first want to point out that Slovenia is a very strong NATO ally and it shares our democratic values and interests. Um, Slovenia's heart is in the West. And that's something to, it's important to remember that when we're talking about Russia and China engagement. Um, the fact is that Russia and Slovenia do have an active economic relationship and they have cultural ties and diplomatic ties and they've engaged in high level visits. But um, Slovenia is um, very aware of um, issues regarding destabilization and um, in particular, um, the fact that by virtue of geology and existing infrastructure, Russia provides virtually all of Slovenia's natural gas. So in response to that, 
Slovenia and the United States have been working together. They have signed a memorandum of understanding on civil nuclear cooperation for um, clean and safe nuclear energy. Slovenia is very interested in developing a second nuclear reactor, and um, the U.S. is interested in competing for providing the technology on that. The U.S. also supports Slovenia in an initiative called the Three Seas Initiative, and that is designed to develop infrastructure on um, north-south access, which would compete with the old Soviet east-west um, infrastructure lines. So um, all, all of these are steps that Slovenia is taking to create independence from Russia um, influence in the country. I, I hope that answered your question. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I think my time is up, so I'll, I'll turn back to you and I'll, I'll get a chance to continue with the others in the uh, next round. Thank you, Senator Romney. Senator Shaheen is next. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations to each of the nominees, and thank you for your willingness to serve the country at this critical time. <clears throat> Excuse me. My, my first question is really for each of you, and I have been following very closely for a number of years now the impact of what is known as Havana syndrome or anomalous health incidents on American personnel around the world. And sadly, we have now seen attacks against personnel on all continents except Antarctica. Obviously, the State Department personnel are one of the main targets of these attacks. So I, I want to ask each of you, because I understand that the State Department includes a briefing on AHIs as part of the ambassadorial seminar program that you're required to attend. So I want to ask each of you, if, if confirmed, you will commit to attending the ambassadorial seminar on AHIs and seek a classified briefing with, State Depart with the State Department once you are confirmed. If I could just have everyone respond either positively or negatively to that. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Yes, I will. Thank you. That was a good leading question. You all passed with flying colors. Um, Ms. Harpulian, I want to start with you on another issue because I think Slovenia, I chair the European Affairs Subcommittee of Foreign Relations, and I think Slovenia is a beautiful country, and of all of the countries in the Balkans that made up the former Yugoslavia, Slovenia has done probably the best job, at least it's been the most successful in integrating with the West and the EU. Um, but I fear now that we are beginning to see some backsliding in Slovenia, and there are recent developments that may curtail the full and free operation of an independent media and civil society there. So can you talk about how you will approach this issue with Bratislava and how, how you will connect what might happen there with that backsliding to the potential for Russia and China to make inroads in Slovenia? I'm sorry, I think you're still on mute. I'm so sorry, my apologies. Thank you That's for the okay. opportunity. We've, we've all been going through a whole year and a half of being on mute, so we understand. Um, so there are a lot of issues that you've presented in your question that are very important. Um, 
I think that first and foremost, Slovenia embraces transatlantic cooperation. It, democratic values are the foundation of our transatlantic alliance with Slovenia. Um, in, in Slovenia, there are multiple parties. It's a, it's a multi-party system with a well-entrenched um, system of checks and balances. It's unlikely that in Slovenia you would ever have one party um, taking control. Um, right now there are nine parties sitting in parliament. Um, you mentioned um, Bratislava, um, but in Ljubljana, um, I think that um, the focus is wanting to be a good member of NATO, a good member of the EU, where, um, as you are well aware, um, Slovenia currently holds the EU Council presidency. And it's working toward um, accession of the Western Balkan states into the EU, which, um, you know, if that happens, they have to pass certain thresholds for the Copenhagen criteria in order to, you know, demonstrate that they are stable democracies, that they have freedom of the press, they respect human rights. And Slovenia is working very hard on those issues and pushing for the EU accession. It won't happen anytime soon, but it, you know, by striving to create stable democracies in those countries, I think that we are going to combat the issues that you've raised. Um, Thank you, so, and thank you for correcting my misspeaking, not Bratislava rather than Ljubljana. <laughs> um, but if confirmed, I will support Slovenia in its efforts to support democracy throughout the region, and I, I look forward to having the opportunity to do that. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, I know I'm almost out of time, but I'd really like to ask Mr. Rathmanathan a question about Sweden, because as we know, competition in the Arctic is becoming even more critical today. And we're seeing increasing incursions by Russia into the Arctic. And so what I would like to know is if confirmed, Mr. Rathmanathan, how you will engage not just in Sweden, but within the State Department and with ambassadors for the other Arctic nations about the role of the United States and how we can cooperate with our allies in the Arctic. Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, of course, Sweden, uh, like the United States, is an Arctic nation, uh, and we are represented uh, together on the Arctic Council, which is the premier forum uh, for uh, governance around Arctic issues, uh, ranging from uh, environment, uh, sustainable development of the Arctic, uh, scientific research, uh, and so forth. Um, uh, you also referred to territorial buildups by Russia or, or uh, military buildups by Russia. Uh, obviously, uh, the Arctic Council does not uh, include security matters, and those are uh, left to sovereigns, but uh, we do have a strong uh, relationship uh, with uh, Sweden on the defense and security uh, front. Uh, and uh, I, if confirmed, I look forward to uh, collaborating uh, with Sweden on our continued efforts towards interoperability uh, and coordination on defense activities under both our bilateral agreement as well as their NATO Enhanced Opportunities Partner status. Uh, and uh, 
addressing these issues going forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Absolutely. Unless I think Senator Young was next in the queue, but I'm not sure he is currently signed on. Senator Young, are you with us? If not, Senator Van Hollen, you're up next. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations to all of you on your, your nominations. Uh, Mr. Miller, a couple questions about you know Swiss practices uh, when it comes to banking and bank secrecy and other uh, issues. As you know, um, you know, Switzerland is the world's largest offshore financial center, managing about a quarter of global cross-border assets, which is, of course, an astounding number. Uh, over the years, uh, issues regarding bank secrecy and taxation have become irritants in U.S.-Swiss relations. How would you assess Switzerland's current compliance with the U.S. Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act and the OECD Automatic Exchange of Information Agreement? Uh, thank you, Senator, and uh, it's good to see you again. Uh, my background uh, in finance, and in particular working at UBS, uh, has given me a front row seat to this particular topic. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for UBS uh, for for a decade, um, many years ago. But uh, many of many of the this particular topic popped up um, while while there. And what I would like to say is, unfortunately, you know, there there were incidents of the past of us not being able to get the information that we wanted. Uh, as it related to U.S. citizens and uh, their banking uh, in Switzerland. I do believe uh, through a series of uh, actions by the Department of Justice and continued negotiations by uh, Treasury that we do have greater confidence and insight into uh, the foreign, um, into, into, into FATCA. Uh, I'm trying to not use acronyms, but uh, this is the government. But um, I do believe we are, we we feel very confident in our dealings with with Switzerland as it relates to the banks, and I know uh, banks there are anxious to switch from uh, a tier. Uh, they're currently a, a tier two model where banks report uh, directly to the United States to switching to a model a tier one um, that would allow the Swiss government uh, to do the reporting, and in turn would um, allow reciprocal. Um, uh, information to go from the U.S. to Switzerland as well. Got it. I, I appreciate that. Um, as you know, one of the top priorities of this administration has been to prevent a race uh, to the bottom when it comes to corporate taxation um, in developed uh, countries. Um, and one of the great success stories, of course, has been uh, the president, Secretary Yellen's ability to get uh, the G20 uh, to adopt the idea of a 15% minimum uh, global corporate uh, tax rate. Uh, I saw, you know, Switzerland did sign on uh, in July, but uh, as you well know, the, the local cantons there have lots of power within Switzerland. How do you assess, um, you know, how are you going to, if confirmed, use your influence to make sure that Switzerland uh, moves to comply with the goal? Um, again, thank you, Senator. Uh, again, thanks to the efforts, not just of this administration, but also of the previous administrations, um, there, the conversations that we've had with Switzerland of, of reducing their dependence and reliance on using reduced corporate taxes um, has, has started to diminish. And Switzerland, as you did point out, 
did sign on to the uh, guidelines of uh, the international taxation um, OECD of, of committing to the 15% global tax rate. And um, if confirmed, I think the most important part of this job is for me to, uh, to communicate with my interlocutors the importance of a level playing field. Um, and that would be, as, as you pointed out, um, with each canton um, because of their decentralized government. But uh, I think that is, a, that is a skill that I, uh, that I have, and I look forward to those conversations. I appreciate that. I think we need to work quickly uh, in this area. So Mayor Barrett, um, congratulations. Good to see you. And I question a similar question uh, with a little different twist, but related to Luxembourg. Um, how responsive has Luxembourg been, uh, in your opinion, to U.S. and international concerns about money laundering and tax evasion? Luxembourg is often named as one of those uh, tax havens. Can you just uh, comment on that? Briefly, um, I certainly can. Thank you for the question, Senator. It's great to see you. I, I certainly think it has made progress in the last eight years, and, and I'm pleased to see the progress that it has made. It also, in, as you noted in your previous conversation about the G20 and the minimum tax rate, has agreed to that as well, which I think is an important step. Um, but I think it's, it's important to note that the Financial Action Task Force, which is the international watchdog that periodically goes into countries um, to make sure there's no money laundering or illegal money, will be in um, Luxembourg this month, actually. And I, I intend, if I am confirmed, to look very carefully at what the Financial Action Task Force recommendations are and then work with the Luxembourg government to, to make sure those become a reality. But, but I think it's made progress, and I think that that's something we should recognize and applaud and, and give positive reinforcement to. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Absolutely. I do not believe there are additional senators on. So, Senator Romney, uh, you indicated you had other questions. I'll go back to you. Um, I'll have some additional questions after you unless we have other senators who join. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it, just a couple of comments uh, as we talk about international tax uh, rates. Uh, the uh, We don't know exactly what's going to happen here, of course, but uh, I, I do think there's a difference between uh, leaders coming together um, uh, over uh, a social event and drinks and, and meetings and saying, hey, let's all agree to a 15% international tax rate, and that actually becoming the law, uh, having passed by their, being passed by their respective parliaments and congresses and so forth. I think there's a big gap between that. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to see a, cir a circumstance where uh, we in our nation uh, took action, which, which would then not be matched by other nations and put our uh, enterprises at a competitive disadvantage. So uh, depending on what we do here, it'll be important to make sure that uh, other nations follow through as well. Uh, let me let me turn to uh, to Mr. Miller with regards to um, uh, our, our relationships in uh, in Switzerland, obviously a nation which is given to um, uh, high standards of human rights, uh, historically uh, uh, a, a nation which considers itself to be a leader uh, on, uh, on on various social issues. Uh, and I wonder how they square that with a relatively friendly relationship with China, uh, China uh, carrying out uh, genocide. I mean, in this day and age, for a, a nation to be uh, carrying out genocide is really inexplicable. Uh, and, and, and I wonder whether the, uh, the Swiss are, are going to be able to continue to look away 
from the reality of what's happening in uh, in China uh, and whether you might be able to help them understand that uh, their interests uh, really lie in in uh, becoming closer and closer with uh, with those nations which honor the same types of values they have long said they espouse. Thank you, Senator Rami. As you aptly point out, uh, how we approach uh, China, our greatest competitor, uh, is a focus that all of us, uh, if we're lucky enough to be confirmed, will have to will have to address. The good news uh, for for me in a potential confirmed relationship with Switzerland is that Switzerland does already have in a longstanding meeting and dialogue uh, that they've had with uh, People's Republic of China starting since 1991. Um, unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, many of these conversations uh, have been um, postponed, but also uh, I would like to point out that Switzerland did come out and join the criticism of the situation in Xinjiang and, um, and also the Uyghurs, uh, the situation that's obviously happening with the Uyghurs. Um, I do hope that uh, Switzerland will be proactive in reestablishing that conversation, that annual conversation, um, to make sure that they understand um, that China is doing these practices. And um, I think that it's also incumbent upon the Swiss government uh, to be proactive in having a dialogue uh, with the companies uh, based in Switzerland um, to make sure that they understand also the risks of doing business uh, in China. I am fully aware of uh, and I think we all are on this uh, as we testify today that uh, the threat that China poses is significant and we must work with all of our interlocutors on uh, making sure in, in our meetings that they understand that despite needing the economic relations perhaps with pe the People's Republic, that it's also still okay to criticize them and hold them accountable and, and to make sure that uh, we were pushing them to do better um, every day. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Uh, Mr. Ramanathan, um, uh, Sweden has uh, shown a lot of backbone um, uh, relative to perhaps other countries in the world as it as it relates to Russia uh, and uh, and to and to China for that matter. And and China has retaliated against a number of Swedish businesses, Ericsson among others. Uh, do you have a sense of, uh, of whether there's backsliding on the part of the, the leadership or the business community in, in, in Sweden, uh, meaning uh, are, are the backbones still strong and, uh, and, and how can we encourage them to continue to have the, uh, the kind of strength they've had in the past? Because uh, we, we may need to step in and show them that, they're, that if they're punished by one side, they can be more rewarded by the other. Well, thank you, Senator, for that question. And uh, my sense is that uh, they, the the backbone of Sweden is is uh, is strong indeed. Uh, while they are a, a you know a trading nation, nation reliant on trade for half of their GDP, um, they understand uh, and are clear-eyed about uh, what that means with respect to China, the need to protect sensitive infrastructure and intellectual property and the like. Um, you mentioned five um, uh, G and Ericsson. Um, Obviously, they, uh, um, as you may be aware, the administrative courts in uh, Sweden have upheld uh, Swedish regulations uh, uh, banning uh, Huawei and ZTE 
from Sweden's own 5G build out, which I think sends an important uh, uh, signal about uh, the continued focus on uh, protecting sensitive infrastructure. Uh, obviously, uh, Ericsson has also invested uh, uh, opening a new $134 million plant uh, in Texas, uh, working on 5G equipment uh, uh, and other investments in the United States on that front. And we've been a, a good partner of, of, of Ericsson's. So I think these are, are indications that things are, are very, very uh, strong. Um, but if confirmed, I look forward to continuing that close dialogue and continuing to ensure uh, that we are creative and collaborative in ways that we find uh, to ensure uh, our mutual uh, security and prosperity. Thank you, Mr. Ramanathan. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, time back to you. I've asked the questions I, I, uh, I came with. <laughs> Well, excellent. Thank you, Senator Romney. And there's no other members on the call who haven't asked questions in a first round. So I'll ask a couple more questions. And then if no one else joins, we will uh, adjourn. Uh, there are votes now on the floor, but I have a question first for uh, Mr. Miller. I, I was intrigued when Switzerland uh, made a decision to buy $5.5 billion uh, contract to buy F-35s from the United States because there were less expensive uh, offers on the table, both from Boeing and a French manufacturer, and then also a Spanish, uh, a Spain, Italy, UK, Germany conglomerate. Uh, but the Swiss made the decision to go with the more expensive US technology. And I just was wondering, as somebody who's not an expert on uh, Swiss politics, I was wondering if you might explain that to me. I think that's a heartening sign, but I'm curious uh, how I should interpret that. Uh, I, I am not fully uh, familiar to this, you know, the sensitive negotiations as it relates to the sale of, of, of United States defense equipment. But what I can attest to uh, is to American greatness and uh, our exceptional uh, uh, military aircraft and, and ground to base, ground to air based uh, missile defense. And uh, I think Switzerland, uh, again, wanting to uh, strengthen our very, very strong bilateral relationship with the United States um, as a replacement to the F-18 aircraft that they have used for many years, uh, see this as a familiar relationship and a known quantity as they look to replace their strategic um, air defense uh, capabilities. So uh, I would love nothing more once uh, I, I'm fully briefed on the sensitive uh, background of this to follow up with you. But I, again, am really heartened by this. And uh, I think, obviously, that the Swiss government made a fantastic decision. And I look forward to helping complete that deal if confirmed. I think it is. It's interesting. It probably has something to do, I would imagine, just intuiting also with the interoperability. The F-35 is a platform that many nations that are allied with the United States are now embracing. And a desire not only to have a capacity, but to have a capacity that's interoperable is probably one of the reasons. But I'd love to know more about that. And finally, Mr. Ramanathan, one more question for you. That's also just something I want to understand, not being an expert on Swedish politics. Sweden has been a, an absolute global leader in acceptance and permanent resettlement of refugees from Syria, from Iraq, from Afghanistan. There are proposals uh, on the table in Sweden that would significantly curtail this. How do you assess kind of the current Swedish dynamic um, regarding this longstanding tradition of being welcoming to refugees from places of danger and violence in the world? 
Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, the uh, Swedes have been a, a very welcoming uh, country uh, to asylees uh, over the years. Uh, and uh, current uh, UNHCR quota refugees, uh, they take uh, about 5,000 uh, refugees per year uh, and recently announced uh, that because they were unable to take 5,000 refugees in 2020 because of COVID uh, pandemic issues that they'll actually add uh, the deficit to uh, what they're doing uh, this year. Uh, and we'll take about 6,400 uh, um, refugees and asylees. Uh, and uh, Sweden has, of course, been a, a close partner in Afghanistan and otherwise, uh, and they've taken uh, over 650 uh, asylees uh, from uh, Afghanistan as one part of that uh, commitment. Uh, so I expect, uh, uh, if, if confirmed, I will... Uh, uh, look forward to continuing a close dialogue about asylum and refugee um, uh, issues and about human rights uh, in general. Thank you, Mr. Romanoffin. Well, if, if there are no more questions for the witnesses, and I believe there's no additional senators who have joined, the record for the hearing is going to remain open until the close of business tomorrow, Wednesday, November 3rd. Please ensure that questions for the record are submitted no later than close of business tomorrow if you are a member of this committee. And I would encourage the nominees, if there are questions submitted, uh, please try to answer fully and expeditiously so that the committee can consider your nominations as soon as possible. Thanks again to all the nominees for your willingness to serve. Congratulations on being nominated. And with that, this hearing is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much.